From legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode. Or go to ipswichtoday.com.au Coming up, renewed hope for flood buybacks for unit owners at My High Grove in Brassel after council moves to compulsory acquire those units from owners who have not registered for voluntary buybacks. Also in this episode, in-community CEO Paul Tomasini reveals the homeless situation in Ipswich has gone from bad to worse. It's Tuesday, March 28, 2023, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to the 250th episode of this podcast. Ipswich today acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. Earlier today, Ipswich City Council held a special meeting to consider options for Council to compulsory purchase those units at My High Grove in Brassel where owners had not registered for the voluntary buyback under the state and federal government-funded Resilient Homes Fund. Before discussion and voting took place, the meeting heard an impact statement from one of the owners, Mr Wayne Platts, representing 34 of the 42 unit owners. Here's part of what he had to say. The four topics I just want to quickly address include displacement, financial insecurity, insurance and support and direction. So on the day of the flooding, you've got to really think about where you're going to go. Do you go to the Ipswich Showgrounds? Do you go to family and friends? A lot of us did that. We went to family and friends. And a few weeks after, a few months after, relationships became strained. Then you've got to start looking at where you're going to go again. If you start, in my case, it took me six months to actually find a place, a one-bedroom duplex over at Carolee, because there were 50, at least 50 applicants per rental that you had to you know, compete against. 20 would turn up on the day for inspections. The other 30, they were all applying online. So you had the stress of insecurity as to where you're going to be living for the next six, 12 months. We then had other people from the place looking at where, where do they live. Hotel accommodation, 16 weeks is the maximum you can stay there. Can you imagine paying out each week at hotel rates for your own accommodation. That is a huge amount of money. We've got people who have gone from a two bedroom unit to now in a shared accommodation. Basically all you're doing is now renting a room and all your facilities are there, yes, but you're only there sharing those accommodations. People from my high grove, from what I've, I've, uh, who I've spoke to, have moved at least twice in the last 12 months. You have just lost your home, you've lost all your belongings, you've got all these costs coming in, and you still are faced with instability as to what you're going to call a roof over your head. There's a real threat of homelessness here. Because of the costs of money that's coming out of our back pocket, not knowing when the reimbursements will come in, not knowing when the buyback or the uh, acquisition will, will, uh, will come through, there's a real sense of homelessness starting to emerge, particularly for the women in our complex, and that needs to be addressed. I spoke to one of our residents here this morning. They're on Centrelink benefits. You have a 12-month grace period for your assets. So your home does not, uh, isn't accounted for under the assets test with Centrelink for 12 months. 12 months is gone. Today marks the 13th 
month since it's been categorised as a catastrophe. For this lady, her asset, her home is now categorised as an asset. Therefore, she loses her Centrelink benefits. So this is the impact that's having on us today and just with the financial stress. We then got in touch with the ABC and it wasn't until we had Rebecca Levingston from the mornings program do a show on us. And I know that uh, two councillors here this morning attended there, plus, plus uh, our lovely mayor. It wasn't until that program that we actually started to make traction. And then the Premier or Deputy Premier announced joint funding for the compulsory acquisition. If we had stayed back, sat on our laurels for, third, for 12 months, like the insurance company has done, well, you know, where would we be today, I ask you? We probably wouldn't even be having this, this discussion today. After discussing the matter in an extended closed session, councillors proposed some minor changes to the recommendations, which did not fundamentally change the desired result, and that is to proceed with the compulsory acquisition of units from those owners who have not applied for voluntary buybacks. For those properties not registered for voluntary buybacks, Ipswich City Council will issue a notice of intention to resume, but firstly make reasonable attempts to negotiate the purchase via resumption agreement. Where that fails, Council will proceed to attempt to compulsory acquire the land. You can watch the full meeting on demand at Ipswich City Council's YouTube channel. Daily news headlines remind us of an increasing number of homeless in the region. Take a drive around Ipswich and it won't take you long to see the visible signs of people living rough, something that was harder to spot a few years ago. So just how bad is it? Paul Tomasini is CEO of In Community, which provides housing and homeless support in Ipswich. Thanks for speaking with Ipswich today, Paul. Thanks, Alan. When we last spoke, it was June last year, you told me there'd been a huge increase in demand for services since COVID. Now we've got rents going up, interest rates going up. How hard is it for people looking for a place to live in Ipswich right now? In the last 21 years, this is the hardest I've ever seen it. What are people saying to you? So we're finding, I guess, a number of things. Um, one of those in particular is the increase in difficulty in getting into a rental property. Uh, supply is significantly low, uh, which means that for people who would previously have had a chance to get into a property, that's a lot harder now. Um, a lot of properties have been sold that were previously rentals have been sold to people who are going to be living in those properties, which means they're no longer part of the rental pool. Uh, so th there is a, a decrease in rental stock at a time when vacancy rates are really low. Where are the people coming from? Are, are they moving within Ipswich, coming from out of town? Uh, look, I think we're seeing a little bit of everything and we don't get the full picture. So mm. um, I guess we, we hear about interstate migration. We hear about people coming from other areas and, you know, data d does show that there are people coming from other areas into this region. We do have houses being built in the region as well, like with Springfield, Ripley and places like that. Um I guess what we're seeing in flowing into our into our organisation is we're seeing a flow of people we've never seen before. Um, we're seeing a flow of long-term renters who are coming to the end of a tenancy because the house has been sold uh, and they're not able to find something else. The state government's recent changes to allow granny flats to be let out to non-family members, do you think this will help? Well, in Ipswich, we kind of had that already. So right. I don't think it makes a big difference in our region because it's something that my understanding was that that was always um, able to be done in Ipswich. However, 
across the state. Have we seen much of a difference from it at this point in time? No. Do you know how many granny flats roughly there are in Ipswich? No, and and that's I guess one of the things. How many how many granny flats are there, and flats officially are there are probably two different questions. How many of those were already rented out versus uh, how many were just for storage? I guess are uh, there's a number of um, number of things there that we don't really know in terms of that data. More broadly speaking, how have your priorities and services changed from this year to last? Yeah, so just after we spoke last, we uh, we started a program putting families into motels um, as part of the rapid housing response. We had a total of about 100 families go through our motels in Ipswich with a, a consistent rate of about 45 at any one time. So that was, a, I guess, a new a new demand that we weren't experiencing before um, and it was extremely intense. It has it has slowed down a little bit more recently and we've been able to get some good housing outcomes for a number of the people that were in those motels. We've also seen a significant increase in people rough sleeping. Uh, about 12 months ago, we started doing um, extended outreach programs and in that time, um, we've actually seen about a 38% increase in people who are sleeping rough. What, what does and- that equate to in numbers, Paul? Um, so our, our outreach workers, every time they go out, they're out for about two to three hours at a time and they're having contact with about 20 people every time they go out and they go to different areas. So the numbers are big and all you've got to do is walk around Ipswich now to see that. And it's something that we've never really seen the visible rough sleeping at the scale we are now. I mentioned that in my introduction and I've personally witnessed where people have set up camp in unused building alcoves. Uh, anywhere that can be relatively dry in wet weather. So you're saying you're seeing and hearing about that too. Do you think it's peaked or what do you think is happening in the next few months, especially as we head into winter? Yeah, look, I, I think we're far from the peak because, you know, there's there's no housing stock coming online quick enough to be able to meet the demand that's there. Um, we've started a couple of new projects. One of those um, through our bed down uh, brand is the breakfast club three days a week and we're seeing up to 15 people come in every morning um, to have breakfast get services and so forth and we're in the really early stages of hopefully being able to make an announcement in the next couple of weeks about a night shelter for Ipswich so we're working on that we're working on the planning behind that at the moment we'll hopefully be able to get that up and going fairly soon. Now you're talking about the uh, Bed Down project. Can you just briefly recap what Bed Down is and, and how has it been working in Ipswich? Yeah, so look, Bed Down started off a few years ago uh, by repurposing spaces that weren't being used at night and creating a space for people to sleep. So that started off in car parks, but it's evolved a fair bit since then. And what we're actually looking at doing now is we're looking at um, underutilised spaces, particularly um, commercial spaces that aren't currently being used either at all or aren't currently being used at night that we can actually utilise as, as, as a sleeping space for people. When we look at Bed Down, Bed Down's not a housing solution. Bed Down is a health and wellbeing response and a safety response for those who would otherwise be sleeping rough because we know that if you're sleeping rough, if you're out on the streets, you don't get a good night's sleep. You're constantly on on uh, edge wondering what's around you and what might happen to you. So if we can restore someone's sleep, we can start to rebuild the rest of their life with them. Compared to many overseas countries, I thought Australia had a fairly solid level of government support services. How do we really compare and what do you think should be changed? 
So in Australia, our social housing is at about 4.4%. Uhuru put some data out the other day to indicate that, and we're, we're a fair way down the list in terms of you know, OECD countries. What we know is that more injection into social housing, more injection into affordable housing will help to balance that. Um, and until we get to a market where you know where the rental market sits at around two and a half to three percent which is a more balanced market um and right now we're sort of around the state we're in the ones or zeros to one percent ratio um where we're not going to see much of a movement in that space um so whilst we've got a lot of support services with no exits it makes it really hard for those support services to actually um do anything because Without stability of housing, it's hard to then build that next step in someone's life. You mentioned a short time ago you're planning a, a big announcement about some nighttime emergency shelter. Apart from that, any other new services or programs on the horizon? Yeah, look, we've been doing a, a project with um, Solutions Property Management, which are based on Brisbane's north side and also out in Springfield, um, where we're working directly with their property management teams through our Tenancy Skills Institute training to identify tenancies at risk of failing early before they become too hard to save and wrapping the supports around the tenants early, getting the education in place and hopefully being able to save that tenancy. We've had some really good outcomes early on in that. We've only been doing, we're about week four at the moment. So um, we, we have had some really good outcomes in that program so far. So we're hoping to do more in that space as well. With all the work that In Community does, is there anything the wider community can do to help? Yeah, absolutely. So we would love to have input from the community. Um, you can donate to us. Um, we're currently on the hunt for toiletries, for new toiletries for to give out to people who are sleeping rough through our Bed Down project, um, beddown.org.au. You can jump on there and financially support us as well. That would be much appreciated. There's many different options to do that. And we're just about to... Uh, we're just about to launch a campaign for Bed Down coming into end of financial year to raise much needed funds to be able to uh, bring our dreams of these night shelters to life. And finally, Paul, with such a heavy demand and no doubt so many heartbreaking stories coming your way, what keeps you going? I guess we're, we see we see inspiration in the people that are able to resolve their homelessness. And whilst there's not as many of those as there was before, they are still there and we know that we walk alongside the people that we're working with for as long as it takes to get them to where they need to be um, and all through that process we help them to build their skills and knowledge, we educate them around tenancy and we make sure that you know our impact in, on their life hopefully will uh, lead them out of that pathway of homelessness and, and into a more secure housing future and that really keeps us going. So. You know, seeing the people who are coming out the other end of that, because even though it's a difficult rental market, we are still seeing some amazing outcomes and we are still seeing people getting their forever homes. Paul Tomasini, CEO of In Community, thank you so much for speaking with Ipswich today. Thanks, Alan. And that's it for episode number 250. Don't forget to look for handy links in the show notes. Ipswich today is supported by Kinetics people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is also listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswitchtoday.com.au 
and click the donate button on the homepage to make a payment through PayPal. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio and Amazon Music. Or play Ipswich today on smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.